Hey folks, Adam Summer for the Heartland Pod. This week's show, I have an opening statement about hyperbolic politics. Then I'm joined by Rachel Parker and Sean Diller, as usual, for talking politics. And we're going to dive into topics of school choice, Jack Danforth's big new idea, the GOP's detrumpification efforts, and the lost story of the immunocompromised in a new COVID world. Lots to do, so let's go. Welcome back to the Heartland Pod. My name is Adam Summer. I am your host for new listeners. Thank you for joining us. We are glad that you're here. We hope that you'll come back and join us again. Remember, if you have not yet hit that subscribe button to get our shows automatically, please do so. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. It is helpful. Do that on whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, And if you're an iTunes user, if you're doing it on the Apple, please do that. It really makes a difference to help that show pop up in searches for folks. Uh, Make sure you follow us on the socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, and at the Heartland Pod on Twitter, where you'll find us the most active uh, with that at the Heartland Pod. Uh, Email us anytime, heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com. If you've got somebody you think should be a guest or yourself, or you just have questions and need information, or if you want to talk to one of us about uh, a speaking engagement, uh, that's something that we're certainly open to do as well, or a Zoom appearance on a meeting or something like that. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. This week, lots to get to, some school choice updates as states continue to move that along. It's not just a Missouri thing, it's it's all over the place. So, uh, And then we have the, uh, the the new thoughts by Jack Danforth. Uh, he would like us to listen to him about who the next senator should be again, which is interesting because he gave us Josh Hawley, and so, you know, that, I think that's going to be a, a tricky sell, but... Uh, so we dive into that. And we talk about the, the GOP right now. Uh, you know, there's this this real tension and split on the Trump thing. You know, we've got, yeah, they're censuring Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, but at the same time, you've got Mitch McConnell out there pretty strongly calling January 6th, you know, a violent insurrection. And, and so we'll see. We're going to dive into that. And then we're going to get into uh, COVID uh, because we want to talk about the, the idea of just getting back to normal and the folks who that really isn't a reality uh, right now because of the way things are trending and kind of the lost story there with the immunocompromised. So that's, that's where we're going to take the show this week. And of course, I've got the opening statement before we get to all of that. And before the opening statement, just a reminder, if you feel like you want to support what we're doing here, you can. We have a Patreon page for that, uh, the Heartland Pod on Patreon. You can also go to heartlandpod.com and there's a link for it right there. Uh, We have at least two bonus episodes every uh, month called The Last Call, where we really let loose on a topic. And uh, sometimes we have bonus episodes as well. We have a blog space called The Heartland News, uh, where we post articles I'm working on right now myself. Uh, And at five bucks a month, you get access to both of those and more. I can say right now, the Patreon-only merch is confirmed. Uh, I've been uh, a little bit struggling to get that all nailed down just from, you know, because this is not the thing I do full time. Uh, So, but I can say it is, it is happening and it's going to be a member's thing. Uh, So if you want to get in on that, you have to sign up just by being a member, you're going to get something. And then there's also going to be some items that are available to members uh, for purchase as well. Uh, separately and and as kind of a special thing to say, hey, thanks for supporting us and thanks for being a part of this. Thanks for, uh, you know, doing your part. So you can go to heartlandpod.com, click the Patreon button to sign up today and help us with what we're trying to do, which is which is change the conversation. And that's that's how we do that uh, is by having folks who are engaging in this different kind of political discourse. So that's 
you can help us do that at, at the Patreon site, heartlandpod.com, Patreon button. And now the opening statement. Last week I was on with uh, Scott Fawn with This Week in uh, Missouri Politics, and I talked about who won the week, and I talked about it being Nancy Pelosi, because I kept hearing all this stuff about how, you know, the map, the if you're on board with a 6-2 or a 5-3 map in Missouri, you're just helping Nancy Pelosi, you're doing her work for her, and how it's, it's a Nancy Pelosi map. And it struck me as odd, because I'm not positive Nancy Pelosi's ever been to Missouri or would ever go to Missouri. Um, maybe she would. I don't know. But it's interesting to me to hear it as the Nancy Pelosi map. And it, it becomes this hyperbolic thing where it paints them into a corner. Uh, and Missouri State Senator uh, Eigel has been out there beating the drum on this hard, where basically you know, putting himself in the corner of, if you vote for anything, anything that's not the 7-to-1 map, if you vote for a compromise at all, you are voting in favor of Nancy Pelosi. So it's put them in this corner, and they've done it by themselves. They've done it with this hyperbolic, vitriolic type of politics where everything has to be an emergency, everything has to be the most patriotic or the most America or whatever, right? It has to be the most thing. There's Nothing can just be a regular problem. Everything has to be over the top. Everything has to be hyper-politicized. Everything has to be about your identity all the time. Every issue has to become political because every issue has to become part of the culture that allows for that type of politics to exist. And it is killing this country. It is killing political debate. It is killing political discussion because we can't actually talk about issues because we can't start with basic facts because it's becoming hyperbolic opinion in replace of basic facts. If you want to have a discussion about policy, let's have a discussion about policy. If you want to have a discussion about the efficacy of having a map that keeps a county like St. Charles County in Missouri together, let's have that discussion. But let's have a real discussion about it and not a hyperbolic tamper tantrum that's putting things totally out of perspective and making it so that it's clouding the actual issues that are in front of us in favor of this cultural purity. It's easier to convince people to hate Nancy Pelosi here in Missouri because even plenty of Democrats probably don't like Nancy Pelosi in Missouri. So, okay, it's a nice, easy pivot point. But where does that get you? Where does that leave you? If at the end of the day, a 6-2 map is going to pass, if at the end of the day, voting for a 6-2 map allows for good things to happen for Missourians in general, then what's the point? And if you vote for it after you've said all of these things, now you're just a hypocrite because you didn't bother to just have a regular conversation on the front end. This hyperbolic, hyperactive version of politics is bad, and people need to reject it, and they need to call it out. And I don't care... I'm using Senator Eigel here as the example, but I don't care what side of the fence you're on. If you're going to use hyperbole to make your point, then your point's probably bad. If you can't make your point without hyperbole, then your point probably doesn't have very much merit to it in the first place. Hyperbole kills debate. It sounds great in the moment. It makes a good meme. It makes for a good tweet. But it doesn't make for good policy. And that's what changing the conversation is about. Now here's Talking Politics. Talking Politics. 
All right, welcome back to Talking Politics. We've got the gang all here, Adam Summer, uh, Sean Diller, and Rachel Parker, and had a, a nice week, nothing too crazy this week. Uh, you know, had some snow, built a snow tunnel with the boy, so that was cool. Uh, went to the guitar shop, he's digging that, and uh, I have in front of me a delicious warm cup of uh, Bigelow's black tea, their original with the orange spice blend that goes with it so very excited about that uh rachel parker how about you how was your week and uh how you doing what you're sipping on i'm doing okay my week was, my week was pretty good the midweek talking politics was fun we don't usually yes, get was. to do that that was a lot of fun i felt like it was like for all the like, wrong reasons yeah it was like good to kind of get a lot of that stuff off our chest i think because it's yeah. sort of sometimes missouri's so crazy we have to like just stretch it out like we just have to like stop in the middle and just like release some steam and i've been a, I, I had a two first this week uh because we're back and it's winter in covid land for us still i made proper pizza for the first time i've never mm. done that before and oh, nice it's very yeah. rewarding it is yeah i did the whole dough myself and the whole thing yeah uh, and i have a quick dough and then the next time i'm gonna do like the ones that like live in your fridge until like it goes to college or whatever mm-hmm. um <laughs> but it was good it was good the husband liked it and then i also made uh carnitas for the first time yesterday and i did not cook it in like a crock pot i didn't stew it i like did it in the oven in the actual, sean you would have been yeah. so proud i brined it yeah. for like 24 hours low nice. and slow for like f- four hours yeah oh all the delicious God. citrus notes and flavors there just were, popping i didn't on have any citrus it was more like a like a middle i sort of did a it's sort of like a, it is carnitas but it was like a slightly different spice blend mm-hmm. that's the beauty of carnitas is you can take it basically any direction you want any direction that's what people want. don't understand is like pulled pork is just american carnitas yes exactly <laughs> oh, but, oh my god it was, so, it was so good so we did that last night and uh yeah so it's been a good weekend and i'm just um i'm, I'm on my my second cup of bestello with loaded go. with half and half beautiful sean diller how are you doing what you sipping on doing great doing great thanks so much yeah, my drink choice is always so boring, so I'll do some food news also. Uh, yesterday did a Saturday favorite, whole wheat pancakes with the, the toddler. Yeah, then for dinner, ate a big bag of once frozen pasta that uh, one of Michelle's great friends from work hooked us up like <laughs> they filled our freezer as our second child came. Oh, nice. And, uh, so I had some two-month-old frozen pasta and sausage, and I got to say it delivered. Oh, and nice. I'm drinking Kirkland Signature Black Coffee. Per usual. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they make good golf balls, too. All right, well, let's move into our segments here. True or false? All right, true or false? To start it off, school choice. Parents will wake up to the reality of school choice and voucher programs before it is too late. There are, uh, you know, we've talked about school choice in Missouri. We've talked about the Show Me Institute, which I've got here in the show notes as well. Uh, but it's not a Missouri issue. It's a across-the-board issue. It's another one of those Project Blitz-type uh, issues. Uh, so there's a new law in Oklahoma that's moving through right now. Um, and it's, it's very similar to what you know folks wanted here in Missouri. It's the kind of the savings account-type version of school choice. Um, Missouri had passed that last year. You know, there's lots of marketing around this, so... Uh, Sean, start us off on this one. True or false, parents are going to figure this out before the the folks finally destroy public schools. That parents are going to figure it out? Mm-hmm. I think false. Yeah. The, um, Support your work. It's one of those things that 
the um, when you look at it from a high level or not a detailed level, it sounds really good, not just mm -hmm. neutral, but good school mm -hmm. choice. Great. As opposed to what, you know, being told by someone else, right. I guess I'd prefer a choice. Right. Um, but, and then here in Denver, we have a school choice program that is not at all the same as these education savings accounts, like in a lot of States like Missouri and Oklahoma and others, they're talking about these educational savings account where if a student's parents or a child or their parents decides that I'm going to send this kid to private school, the state will just say, okay, well, we spend $5,500 per pupil on average on schools for these kids. Right. You're taking your kid out of the public school. So we're going to open up a savings account just for your kid and plunk 5,500 US American dollars in there. Mm -hmm. And that's the plan. Literally, a lot of these the whole mechanism and goal and outcome is to move funding away from public schools. Right. Because, you know, you and I, Adam, like we grew up in the country, there was only one public school district in the area. There was a private school, maybe a couple of church schools, but they were tiny. Yeah. And yeah, our county had two, I think two public high schools in our whole county because we had Wright city and Warrenton. Right. Right. And so like a lot of kids drove 15 miles to get to the, public school. And mm -hmm. then the, the point that I always go back to is this plan, the most vulnerable kids are absolutely the people who will get hurt because yeah. you're a lot more likely to be able to access a private school. If you have educated parents live near a private school, live in a nice area where there are private schools, what have private schools always needed in order to stay afloat tuition, rich mm -hmm. parents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so they're there just aren't a lot of private schools in places where all the kids are poor. So right. a thing that moves funding away from public schools, what'll happen is the kids who get the money in their savings accounts, they'll most, for the most part, be fine. And they were always going to be fine. The kids who are going to pay the price are the kids who are going to find out that their school has less money yeah. and there's not really any other place for them to go. Yeah. It strikes me as one of those issues, you know, first of all, when we talk about this issue, we never talk about what's going to happen to, you know, life as we know it, you know, all this make America great again stuff. Well, what happens when you take away small town high school football and baseball and track and all of these things that engage kids? What's going to happen to those kids? But Rachel, this sounds like one of those issues that you hit on all the time about suburban voters, suburban voters, suburban voters, and they're, they're sort of little inculcated reality that they have that isn't the reality of not just, suburban voters can i just say how many times can i say amen to that as an atheist like that's right. my first question like do i get <laughs> can i read well, amen I is read? just like let it be so yeah know. so amen 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 whatever um yeah i i did some googling on this and i can't remember there was another issue we were talking about this season this winter where like i googled it and i was like Bruh. Okay, that's enough of that. Mm -hmm. um, because it was so like it was such a dense. There was so much news that I had to like. When you wind up finding like it. the Center for Education Reform, which presents itself as this like informational tool, right? And well, it's not; also, it's a marketing tool. Right now, I thought this Google... website actually, the edreform.com, As you start, I uh -huh. thought this information was excellent. It's good information, but it but is yeah. still all in that vein of like good. This is why you should take. Well, let's go. Let's, so, so first of all, if you go, if you Google like school choice bill or charter reform bill or something, there are laws like this moving through uh, Utah, 
Um, there's one in, I believe, Kansas. Like they're all over the place. Yeah, Oklahoma, Indiana, how, Utah. It's yeah, they're yeah. everywhere. That's Ohio, how you know. Yeah. That's how you know it's an Alec bill. By the way, right? When you see the exact same language in state legislatures across the country at the exact same time, that's how you know that Alec has been dropping off just like bill packets to all of their like you know bought and sold state legislature state legislatures, meaning mm-hmm. individuals, um, to introduce this stuff during session and. The the thing we also always say is that one of the reasons this is so popular with, with dark money is that it accomplishes two things. But dark money always uses religious groups to push its agenda because religious groups are very good at organizing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so... Because they organize religious... every week. Exactly, yeah. So they want money for their schools. They think that their schools are righteous. They don't care that their schools aren't accredited. I mean, I know right. people, as do you, I'm sure that grew up in conservative Christian households. Um, I'll say conservative evangelical households because I think that's more fair. Um, And went to non-accredited religious schools Mm -hmm. and don't know anything about anything. They don't know anything about history. They they don't have a competitive enough education for them to get into anything but another non-accredited Bible school. So when dark money says we're going to defund public schools is because the religious right will back them up because what they want is funding for their own educational institutions. Um, but there's been a lot of like buyer's remorse out there. Like the, the new Orleans school system went charter and there is a bill and it's legislation. It, I, I can't remember if it's in the state legislature or if it's local to completely under to, to, to basically take a, take a crowbar to it and just start smashing it up because it's, it's uh, the only metric that they measure is standardized test scores. Right. The charter which are, schools in which are going by the wayside anyway. Right. So the the idea that like you can send your child to a school where they don't report on other critical metrics like I don't know reading, math, mm-hmm. socialization, um, if you don't report those to a state educational agency because you don't have to, you probably won't because they're probably that, that's a sign that they're terrible, right? If they were good, they'd brag about them all the time. Right. So I'm going to say false because um, that's the way that it's gone in other places that have adopted school choice is that they have buyer's remorse like long after the system has been implemented and their kids can't read. Yeah, I'm going to say false as well, and I'm going to hope for true. But and I'm only I'm hoping for true only because maybe there's enough of those stories out there that they start to bubble up a little bit. So we, we will see. Let's move on here to another uh, story about buyer's remorse. Yeah, no. So the yeah, no, um, this just happened a couple of days ago. Former Senator Jack Danforth here in Missouri, uh, one of the architects of many, many people who are, are not off, you know, not awesome to talk about, uh, most notably recently Joshua Hawley, uh, has thoughts about the next Missouri senator, and he really, really wants to help a centrist Republican win. He has made an offer uh, that... <laughs> that he would put money behind somebody who would like to run as a centrist Republican. So he's recruiting somebody to run because he's not happy with the current field. So yeah. Uh, Thanks Senator. But you know, we listened to you before a little bit and this hasn't worked out great. So Sean. Yeah. (laughs) Right. From the guy who brought you Josh Hawley. Another idea. It's actually George Hawley. Cool. I just couldn't believe it. I don't know why. He's like the least trustworthy guy about who to elect as a senator. He he foisted Holly on us. 
and Greitens too, right? Yeah. Was did he, he get behind Greitens? I don't know. That he was that originally sure. behind Greitens, but he not oh the God. not the way of Holly, where it was like this was his like acolyte. He probably just liked Greitens because he had been a Democrat. I guess his right. Danforth just hooked on this idea. Um, yeah, it's so dumb because this individual, who I think by all you know, by the folks who are old enough to remember him, uh, and that's not meant to be mean. But uh, <laughs> he, I think he has a decent reputation. But in the last couple of years, it's like, yeah, he he did Holly. He told us all it was a huge mistake, which was he good did, of him. But then he Trump. came back. Go ahead. Didn't he do Trump too? Didn't well, I mean, as a Missouri senator, Trump? his influence over who becomes the next Missouri senator, I think, is a lot bigger. But I'm just saying, in terms of buyer's remorse, I thought he also was one of those people that was like, I don't know. All Republicans, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, exactly. That that one was more of the general. Like the royal we, the editorial we, <laughs> but the yeah, Holly he, thing was very much a me. I just I can't see him doing it for any other reason except his own self interest. Like I don't know if he thinks people will realize that it should be him somehow or something. Like he's probably too old to even do yeah. it, or if he just wants people to think he's correct, or if he wants to be a consultant for this person. But it's like, hey, I've got an idea. How about everything you love but nothing you hate? Or like, hey, I've got an idea, <laughs> like, right? Um, something that everyone can tolerate. It's like, okay, good call, I guess. Or, or here's one. Right. How, about this? How about this, Rachel? What if? Maybe I'm crazy, but what if the former senator and Republican backer said, "We've lost our way, and I'm going to support the Democrat in this race instead of having to find a centrist Republican." Right. That's always the Republican one Party of the, is in that's, trouble. That's always right. one of those things. So I think. So, all right. So I, I was joking before we started recording that I think like that you guys are to Danforth what the like Iraq or supporting Republicans are to me. Like, yeah. like I could never like, you know, Dick Cheney and his family could all go stand in front of, except for the gay daughter. She's fine. I have no problems with her. I have no beef with her. His professional political associates and family could all go stand in front of a bus as far as I'm concerned. Um, uh, and they're like hand wringing about Trump and all that um, makes me want to vomit. But there are some things that Danforth is trying to do that his, the platform is it's this thing called Sam, S-A-M, which I think is kind of corny. It's a terrible name, mm-hmm. but he's actually trying to start another party. And I, it's hard to, I think like. Then he should may, say that. Right. He should. Well, he kind of does in a sense. Right. Um, and I, I think there's a, a good argument to be made to say that like. There's a lane. I keep saying this all the time, right? There's this wide open lane mm-hmm. for moderate conservatives right. um and if you read it's in that missouri independent article we can also share the link to this sam mm-hmm. thing their platform says some things that i'm going to be really hard to like especially their political reform their election reform mm-hmm. like i could have written it like you know we want they they, they want to depoliticize election boards they want to depoliticize redistricting processes they want to depoliticize elections yeah they want to have open primaries. They want to have some sort of ranked choice voting. So there's things in this platform that I go. Yeah, there's oh, a lot of good yeah. stuff. I'm listening. But there's also nebulous language. Like we want, quote unquote, reasonable term limits for lawmakers. And that always makes me kind of go, what do you mean by right. reasonable? That, that is mean? very That's unconstitutional. I hate it when people bring that up just because it's popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, it's also. requirements like, it's all, for it's U.S. Also, Congress and Senator in the Constitution. Yeah. Right. It's also it's yeah. also like it's not going to happen. Um, if Ted Cruz gets behind something, it's never going to happen. Um, but I have to agree that it's like, dude, if, if you really hate these people so much, we have, you know, look back Scott Sifton, right? He's right there. You can endorse him, right? Jack Danforth, you can endorse, you can endorse a guy who Missouri voters know and trust. Um, he's got a pretty solid voting record. He is a moderate Democrat by all measure, probably. 
Um, we don't know. He still hasn't really made any policy statements yet. But anyway, we can assume he is. Um, you could you could endorse him. Right. Um, you could say I'm going to get behind this somebody somebody we don't know yet. Somebody you could you right. could be like I think that the Democrats should support this person. Right. If you're and a kingmaker, you could... make a king. Don't right. say is there a king right. that would like me to make this? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Just yeah, no. Well, well, let's, let's 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 move on for time's right. sake. Well, one more thing, really fast. Like really, he, fast. he's also. Or go ahead. No, go ahead. Go so ahead. at the end, he's like, we should hearken back to Lincoln, who says in his second inaugural, so much depends on touching the better angels of our nature. Mm-hmm. And this is what the campaign would be about. What was Biden's campaign about? It's the exactly soul of the nation. It's precisely what it was about. So Precisely what it was. Anyway. Yeah, I guess Schmidt should have waited longer before he jumped into the crazy end. He really should have. Fucking idiot. All right, buy or sell that the GOP will shed Trump completely by 2024. Um, so this shows up in places like Missouri. We've got the the Holly Hartzler thing, Vic Haw or Varshley or whatever name you want to use. We all have our favorites. I really like Vorsch. Can we please go with Vorsch? Vorsch I like is Vorsch good. a lot. But meanwhile, Billy Long, the Eric's, right? The peach shirted Yosemite Sam himself. They're all still begging for Trump to bless their campaigns. Uh, Really good article by Jeff Smith at the Missouri Independent uh, who wrote – he wrote back in September about the Missouri primary as a hand of Texas Hold'em, and then he's taken it further. Now we've seen the flop, and so he's explaining the cars that, that everybody has. That was really good. I usually hate articles like, here's what it's like. Here's right. what it's – here's the analogy, but it's like – that was it's, really It was good. really good. Yeah, <laughs> it's really, really, really good. So uh, – but, but you know, that that begs that question of – what what happens, right? So Hawley's picked Hartzer. So what happens if Trump swoops in and he for I can't imagine he would do this, but let's let's for the optics, let's imagine that he stands next to Billy Long at a campaign event. Cause that I think is the funniest one. <laughs> That's hilarious. Isn't it so the funniest good. one of all it of is. them? It is. It is the funniest one of all of them. Because yeah. you can imagine Trump not even be able to handle himself, just be like, and hey, Billy, Billy, he's this great uh where is he? He's such a short guy, I can never see him when I'm looking for him. But where is Billy? Get him on the stage here. Oh, he's here. He's right next to me. Okay. <laughs> like you can just totally There is no reason that Trump would even know who Billy Long is. Honestly. Well, he's been to Mar a Lago to take a picture. Okay. Still, I don't know if that gets you there. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> by yourself, right, like, I'm I'm going to yeah. actually I'm gonna sell it because I don't think they can completely shed it, but I, I do buy that they're trying to. That the party, the big, big party is trying to. Uh, Rachel, yeah. Rachel, take us take us on this one first. Well, first of all, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do something that I gave that I did for my husband. Uh, don't worry, it's totally clean. This is very PG, you guys. Um, over the over the week, which is this is me doing Donald Trump taking the fifth. <clears throat> Hold on. <clears throat> I take the Fifth Amendment in order that I may not uh, what is it incriminate myself. I take the fifth. I plead the fifth. Like he's really gonna hit that fifth. He's really yes, just gonna nail yes, it. He is. The fifth. And he's gonna make sarcastic faces and he's gonna do like I take the fifth. You know, he's gonna like get a little bit like of that like head jerk he's got going on. And he's gonna do like the thing with his neck that nobody understands. It's gonna be so hard for him to not say other stuff. Because when you take the fifth, you can't like keep talking, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and there yeah, so it might not He's just gonna vamp on the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I get to take the fifth. I'm told by my attorneys that I get... What? Sorry, hold on. What? Really? That's all I can say? Okay. I take the fifth. I take the fifth. Um, so he's going to be saying that a lot uh, here, here, here. Maybe uh, he'll quote in, Chappelle's show. That would be cool. In, um, 
It's going to be, oh yeah, fifth. There are so fifth. many amendments. One, two, three, four, fifth. There are so yeah. many amendments in the Constitution. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, all this stuff is going to align with some election season when yeah. his children and himself and all these people are just absolutely. And I, you know, I've been, the more we talk to people who are regular folks, right? Regular you know, meaning I, not complete animals about politics like us who are constantly plugged in and talking about politics. Yeah. And I think you've got kind of two critters that I kind of, we've sort of predicted this. One is people that are just diehard Trump lovers and yeah. won't vote for people unless they're Donald Trump, period. Right. They won't vote for anybody who isn't Donald Trump. And then oh, he's their favorite band. Yes. And he's, and he's the only person who's ever spoken to them because he says ridiculous things that he can't ever deliver on. And I think to be fair, if assuming like, you know, I'm sure like a lot of the like racist stuff appeals to a lot of those people. I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't. But I think also a lot of the stuff about like, I'm going to give you great health care, the best health care, Medicare and Social Security are sacrosanct. Like all those things really resonated with people. Mm-hmm. Of course, he didn't do anything about it. So they're just right. done. They're not going to vote again. And that leaves this wide swath of voters that just look at this just unbelievable race to the moral bottom. Like, yeah, I don't want to have anything to do with these people. Um, if we can hold on to election processes, if they don't get completely politicized, then I think that, uh, what is, can I bell it? Can I both buy and sell it? So that I think you can hold it, I guess. Um, you hold I think your I'm position. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. I think, I guess, I think I'm going to tap. I think I'm just going to hold or fold. I don't know. Um, oh, tap another gambling, re- two gambling references. Yeah. Two gambling references. Yeah. I, I want to say that I want to say that I buy it, but like I think I think maybe it depends on what happens in Georgia. That's what I'm going to say. It depends on how badly he shits the bed in Georgia. If if yeah. he gives if he if he again. totally yes again if he totally screws it up again, which is very possible because Warnock is really popular. People right. really like him. Right. Um. And was it Walker? Is that who's is that who they think that's the Trump? Yeah, that's Herschel the, Walker. Yeah, that's the Trump like. And well, there's people, like four people in that man. primary. People still treat Trump like he's this kingmaker. And let's remember that most of the time when he endorses people, they have this tendency to lose. So <laughs> it's a crazy time. It's a, I'm, I don't know. I'm like, it's the first time in my life I've been happy to be a Democrat because I look at what we got going on like it's problematic, but good God. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God. Yeah. What about you, Sean? You, you guys, uh, you and Kevin back on Friday on the flyover review, you talked about the Georgia race, this in the Texas splits going on, right? We've got McConnell who right now is, you know, we know Mitch McConnell is a wind sock, um, but he currently the wind is blowing in the direction <laughs> of fuck Trump. So he's, he's pretty sturdy that direction right now. But if the wind changed tomorrow, he would walk that back in three days. So where, where are you at? Buy or sell that the GOP sheds Trump by 2024. I will sell on that idea. And uh, I think you guys are in the right neighborhood in terms of what's going to, what it's going to turn on in by, by, uh, by which I mean the U S Senate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so Georgia and McConnell and um, you know, the, the competitive races. So Trump is obviously super involved in the midterms this year. So yeah, it'll partly. Yeah. Yeah. And, And in a lot of races that don't, really matter i mean some of these secretary of state races definitely do matter but like some of the people that he's backing are so insane that like right. his presence in the race doesn't matter and is, it's his sophomore album right or i guess it's his third album like he's touring 
you know, midterm endorsements, and it's all just like B side acoustic cuts. Right. So it's, it's I'm thinking really of Matchbox Twenty's third album, particularly yeah. maybe. I'm thinking of like all the rock. I'm thinking of like the rock bands that made a disco album in the late seventies. Yeah, they that's... went. They were really popular, and then they were like, "Can we be rock again?" And everybody was like, "Absolutely not." Yeah, we're no, you're a disco you. band now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's that it's that pivot. Oh, it's like it's Ario Speedwagon, right? It was like riding the storm out, and then suddenly it's heard it from a friend, and it's like you can't go back. Now you're the heard right. from a friend, guys. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good. That's but a pretty good reference. Back to the I map. So, like the the Senate map, which I want to start talking about more, is there are six seats, and when we talk about Trump's popularity, popularity and his his influence, there are six seats that are considered toss ups. Georgia is one. Arizona is one. Um, Nevada, where mm-hmm. a Democratic senator, uh, Catherine Cortez Masto, um, or is it Jackie Cortez Masto? I don't know. Catherine, you're right. It is Catherine. Okay. Um, she's a member of leadership, I'm pretty sure, or at least has been part of the DSCC. It's been a blue state. It voted for Biden. So if that's a toss up, and that's Ohio. And let's face it, that's Harry Reid's state, too. Right. Like they, right. they have a proud territory, like a proud tradition of electing pretty powerful Democrats. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And it might even be his seat. So but if the Republicans come out and win the Senate or lose the Senate, Trump is going to, you know, keep doing his thing. Mm-hmm. And when I look at the county parties across the country in Colorado, in Missouri, in Kansas, when I drive between Colorado and Missouri, <laughs> <laughs> um, they're all behind Trump. And yeah. so they're not going to they're not going to ever uh turn their backs on it i'll also say one thing really quickly that like i think the other thing we forget about is that trump's trying to be an entrepreneur again um he just announced that truth truth social is going to go live on monday it's going to be the best social media network it's going to be no censorship um i don't believe it and i think he's going to keep doing stuff like this so he it's sort of it's sort of one of these things where it's like dude you could have laid low and just like told people to get vaccinated (laughs) So mm-hmm. I think that's also kind of a wagon that he's hitched himself to. And it'll be really easy for people that do want to run as more moderates eventually to point to him and be like, you can't do anything right. You guys just look, you couldn't even get a social platform off the ground. And he talked about it for, you know, like he's just again, creating more potholes for him to trip himself into. So, well, if the mainstream media would just let him be, then none of that would matter. It's just, that's the problem is that one more time, one more time. Here we go. So One, two, three, four, fifth. I take the fifth. Uh, so that I can't what say that again? What? So that I don't recriminate? Incri- incriminate. I'm not a criminal. Oh, sorry. Been <laughs> many be recriminations, uh, inculcations. I'd be, I, if he got the word inculcation out, I would I'd fall myself. over. Yeah. You could hit me with a twig and I'd fall down. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. And now, the big one. All right, the big one. Two years in. Where uh, where the hell are we? Where are we headed? Uh, pandemic limbo, uh, which is not as fun as regular limbo. Uh, there's this Atlantic article that uh, is very detailed that Rachel shared. Thank you, tip of the cap. Um, so, you know, how do we have a realistic conversation about this? Uh, Rachel, you sent this over. Um, explain why this was something that you wanted to talk about. Well, I mean... I think, let me just say that I do not begrudge anybody who is eagerly and rightly so embracing a return to normalcy, right? Um, That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you should stay home and you should live an isolated life. It's a pretty easy like comparison. Like you and I, right, have Mm -hmm. lived significantly different lives for the last year 
yes. where we got everybody in our house that could get vaccinated is vaccinated. We're waiting on one more. We had a newborn who her mother was vaccinated before she was born. Right. She's been getting breast milk with, you know, with the vaccine and antibodies. In it. So all that stuff has happened. We've gone to football games. We've gone to concerts. We've driven out to Colorado to, you know, we visited with Sean. We have people at our house this weekend. Like, you know, we're not being, it's not like all caution to the wind. You know, there's still, we're still big on like, hey, are you vaccinated? Cool. We can spend time in, you know, long periods of time with you. Um, but I'm not worried about it in public, like in general, as long as it's an open air type place, you know, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not putting my energy there. I just, I'm just not, but you are and, and, and have to be. Yeah. So the, the article that, um, Adam's talking about is an excellent piece and I'll, I'll dig up apparently the, um, the, uh, my, uh, my husband, Elliot heard this interview on uh, democracy now with the author of this Atlantic article and it has a lot of it is an it is a very well documented article that talks about how many millions of people are immunosuppressed or immunocompromised in America uh, who are kind of uncertain about what our future is going to look like. So my husband had a double lung transplant in 2018. Um, he's so immunosuppressed that so you so people that receive live organ transplants have to basically shut part of their immune system down or, or kind of kneecap the immune system because otherwise the immune system will see the organ as a, an infection and they will attack it. So in order for him to still be able to survive because, you know, you can't live without lungs, obviously, or a heart or a kidney or a liver or, wh- or whatever it is, um, the vaccines work because you take a tiny controlled part of the virus, the, 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 the body goes, what is that? It builds up an immune response to it. And so the next time it sees the virus, it recognizes it and you're, you don't get sick and die. Um, or if you do get sick, it's very, you know, kind of mild. Well, right. that, that they, there's been enough comprehensive data, um, reliable peer reviewed data that says that people with Elliot's health issues and other immune suppressed people and other immune compromised people don't develop the antibody resistance that what, that they do when they get the COVID vaccine. So he's had three shots we don't really know what immunity, if any, he has. And as this article points out, his chances of getting sick and dying from COVID are exceptionally higher than mine. Mm-hmm. So I have like a less than 1% chance, right? I have like a 0.01% chance of dying from COVID. He has a 10% chance of dying from COVID. So that's a significant risk, right? It's statistically very significant. Right. Um, so, uh, the question is, what the hell is our life going to look like when I don't get to go to the grocery store because no one's wearing masks anymore, mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of, you know, in a in a more compassionate society and a more a society that was interested in protecting vulnerable people. And by the way, the number that it's it's very difficult, and this is one of the reasons that I thought it was important that we talk about this article. I've been having a very difficult time finding comprehensive data that says how many millions of people are auto, are, are like immune compromised because you're right. talking about people that are getting chemotherapy. Yeah. You're talking about people that have multiple sclerosis, right. uh, rheumatoid arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, yeah. uh, Crohn's disease. Like all there's a, there's myasthenia gravis. There's tons and tons and tons and tons of of illnesses that have. Uh, really severe impacts on the body too. It's not like you're just 
immunocompromised. Right. It's that they're you already have a disease. Right. So if you're if you get if you introduce anything else into the, to the immune system that it can't fight off, you could totally end up in the hospital or you know on a respirator and then possibly, um, uh, you know, die. And I think in a more so so the numbers they came up with was, are somewhere around three percent of the U.S. population, which is not insignificant. That is not an insignificant number. I think not the total all. amount. Yeah. I think the total amount of Asian Americans uh, in the United States is something like just just around two percent or something. Yeah. So you're talking about like a robust subset of the population. And my ask would be, I don't. It's not going to happen here. Um, like you tell people here to wear a mask and it's like you're asking them to fucking give them a finger or whatever. It's so ridiculous. The the amount of like the amount of anger over masking is something I will never understand. I, I just don't it doesn't it doesn't I don't get it. I it doesn't it profoundly confuses me, particularly because Elliot wears masks all the time anyway. Like he wears masks every time he goes to the hospital. He wears a mask right. every time he goes to the airport. Um the like it it should be a say it should be a fair thing to say for the safety of all these other people if you go to what would be described like essential retail so the post office um the fedex office place where i pick up my packages from uh the grocery store and a pharmacy if you were asked to wear a mask in those places it would make my life a lot safer that's not going to happen right so we're we just don't know what our future is going to look like because we don't really know we're we're kind of there's just so many unanswered questions like what's the next variant going to be is there going to be another variant is it going to be more contagious than omicron less contagious than omicron uh more lethal than omicron less lethal than omicron like and then if those as those variants are introduced the antibody treatments that they had for previous infections are no longer effective so if he gets hospitalized with covid there may not be a treatment that he can get right and so there are, again, like 7 million people are in this boat. And I, I, there seems to be this, like, that one of the things the article points out, I'll say this and I really want to hear what Sean has to say, that says that the, there's a so, almost like sort of a form of, like, eugenics level response to this, right? That, mm -hmm. like, well, just thin the herd, man. Like, right. we don't have to make any sacrifices for you and your husband. I'm like, no, but what about the... 6,999,000 other people that you need to be making sacrifices for. Right. Yeah, you're right. It is like this this almost intentional um you know there's been the meme about uh Eric Schmidt with the whole the school stuff. There's it's been a pretty popular meme going around Missouri where it's just like a picture of Schmidt it's just like fuck them kids. Right? And it's sort of that attitude of just like well, what about a million people who if they get this their their chance of dying is 10, 15, whatever, 20% shouldn't we think about those people when we're making decisions and the answer is just like smith nah and, and that's then sometimes it's sometimes it's affirmatively no right that's what i've been told i mean again like in my family the anti-vax animus is so powerful that i have family members who won't get vaccinated even though they know that means that i will never see them again it's wild sean yeah, I mean, when you say where are we headed, do you mean like politically or economically or like I think it's um, sort of a catch-all. Like is yeah. there, you I guess know... it's I guess it's like the, one of the things are yeah, so here's what here's what I mean by that. So life before every building had to have a wheelchair ramp. Right. Right? Life before pre-1993 basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so life And before... obviously tons of buildings now don't have them. But sorry, go right. ahead. No, of course. 
Um, and some, you know, like our building would grandfather out because of its age and stuff. Um, pre life before uh, elevators had uh, a, an like a, a recorded voice saying fifth floor, and then also had braille accompanying the um, the buttons, so you know, like what the, you can actually like properly proprioceptive what floor you want to get off on and then know when you're on the floor because the elevator tells you right so if you were sight impaired prior to that how you had to have somebody with you you had to have somebody be like this is the fifth floor get off the fifth floor or you had to ask somebody like is it the fifth yes this is the fifth i can remember that or being a child something as simple as you know like when you're walking on the sidewalk and you get to the edge and it does the dip and there's the bumps Right, just that tiny little design change in how we make sidewalks is huge for somebody who's sight impaired. It's a, it's a massive deal. So, Sean, the 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 question, right? It include it does include the political thing. So, there's this uh, an article in Missouri Independent that that talks about this coroner and this public health official down in Cape Girardeau, and how basically the coroner uh, doesn't want to. Um, label things as COVID and that he's doing that against the CDC's guidance yeah, of what he won't is or isn't COVID, COVID death. He won't put COVID-19 on a, on a death certificate because there's a conspiracy theory that somehow the CDC is raking in money off of COVID deaths. Is right. that what the coroner said? Yeah. So the coroner, Wavis, Wavis Jordan, uh, a Republican who took office January 2021, this is right out of the article, has worked as a school security guard, hearse driver, and funeral florist, has no prior training or experience handling the dead. He's a long-running policy of requiring families to provide proof of a recent positive PCR test of COVID-19 to his office before labeling a death COVID, which goes against CDC guidance. As a result, many likely COVID-19 deaths don't get counted as such. Put another way, the coroner's the coroner, quote, doesn't do COVID deaths. He told the documenting COVID-19 project in USA Today for a series about death certificate inaccuracies called uncounted. So how do we can't even have an accurate, conver- a real conversation about this politically because we have people who are making political decisions about facts. Right. Right. Yeah. OK, well, that does help me kind of answer it, because what I was thinking as I was reading that article, which was. The Missouri Independent article is really, really good. And Rudy Keller is a solid, great journalist in Missouri. Isn't He's he? been grinding Thanks, it out Rudy forever. Keller. Yeah. Um, the When an issue affecting the community becomes politicized. So like working in politics, I'm so aware of like most things aren't politicized until they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I, I play guitar and like I read guitar, like, you know, message boards and threads and stuff. And like, usually it's not at all about politics. It's just about guitar. Right. One would think. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then sometimes it, it becomes about politics. Someone will talk about some kind of wood you can't get or something at the border and it'll just devolve. And then there are moderators for that that say like, Nope, this is not about politics. This is only about guitar. Right. I deleted all those comments and, you know, we're not going to ever mention it again. That isn't the real world. And so mm-hmm. when an, a real issue like COVID is affecting the community and it becomes politicized and add to that politics in that jurisdiction is completely dysfunctional or driven by mistrust, mm-hmm. especially then that issue is absolutely going to be mishandled. So that's just the tragedy that I see everywhere when I look at a map or something like that, you know, public health, just keeping us okay has become politicized and that 
especially in places where politics is completely dysfunctional, has made the response a disaster. And the spite among so-called conservatives towards their neighbors who might have different political beliefs is just stunning to me. And I, you know, I don't know, I don't know how we get and out it's of it. Spite, I think that there's some trauma that's not being addressed nationally because we had a bully in the Oval for a while, because I think one of the reasons that Trump is popular is because like he was just a giant fuck you to the system. And I think there right. are a lot of people that are ready. We're ready for somebody to be like, fuck you. Yeah, that's right. But um, at the same time, though, he was so um, ill-prepared to deal with a crisis that he pretended like the crisis wasn't real. And that has had a downstream effect of in order to get his approval, in order to kind of shine for the shine for Trump, people started building their own narratives around masks and vaccines that sometimes contradicts what he has said himself about vaccines. Right. Right. Um, Right. And when you think about schools like i think that'll be the next issue to become what's well, become incredibly right. politicized like right. the last Colorado, year plus has made schools a, just an absolute hot potato yeah yeah it's like school board elections in a lot of places are nonpartisan, and that's for a good reason they and were now you, right exactly yeah and so we just like you said you know we've moved away from actually talking about covid and now we're just we're just doing the exercise of of doing the spite and, you know, Trump is just a terrible example of how to treat our, our fellow citizens and neighbors. Um, yeah. Nobody should act like him. And so is there, so is every Republican right. in the Senate, give or take. Right. And so what I'm concerned about, and this is something else that gets brought up in the article is, and the, I, I really recommend that everybody read the article. It's very hard. Yeah, it's it's got, in the show notes. It's, yeah. It's got, it's got data points. It's not behind a paywall. Um, it's got data points that are just, impregnable i mean it it doesn't go it just says in this and then this disease and this person and this story and this thing and it's very well Mm -hmm. researched and i'll see if i can dig up the democracy now interview and um maybe we can tweet that out next week too what i'm concerned about is that like so i'm going to have to obviously go to the store right i can't i can't buy everything from amazon fresh i can't get certain kinds of like food i can't get certain types of like you know like i gotta go get half and half i gotta get milk i gotta get cereal things like that right specialty items uh, perishables, right. whatever. And eventually I'm going to have to show up at a Schnucks or um, a Walgreens or somewhere. And I may be one of the only people um, in the store that's wearing a mask. And there's been so, I mean, I, I joked about going to get my tire fixed a, a few weeks ago and we had some really generous people who follow our podcast, like respond, be like, let us know if we can help you. Um, but there was at least one experience where I pointed to my face because the dude inside the tire shop wasn't wearing a mask. And I just pointed to my face, like, can you put one of these on? And he looked at me like I was absolutely, like, like I was on fire. He looked at me like I was, this was in the city too. This is on right. South Kings highway. This is not far from my house. Um, it's not like I was in, you know, Wildwood or whatever. Um, and I poked my head in the door and I said, I'm sorry, do you have a mask? And I said it like in the nicest way possible. And he looked at me. Like he wanted to punch me in the face. Like it was, re- it was, it was genuinely scary. He's right. a young guy, like he's probably in his twenties. Um, and he went in the back and wouldn't come back out. So some other, some other person came Such back out. Such a fucking baby. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's what I want to make sure and I'm like, saying a lot. All these people right. act like they're mad and angry. They're babies. Snowflakes, bunch of snowflakes. Right. And so yeah, like, right. I, I have to feel like the world has, like, I don't know. We're all idiots when we're, 
under 30. Every, all of us are like between the ages of 20, 25, you're super stupid. Between oh, 20 to 25 to 30, the jury's out. Like, hopefully, you're getting a little bit wiser, you're working it out. Um, right. If by 27, you haven't looked back on your life and been like, what? Yeah. Yeah. You want to call people from college and be like, remember that time I was a complete fucking moron? I'm so sorry. Like, I wish I could apologize more, but this is all I can do right now is the full, complete accounting of what a dipshit I was. So I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to paint too, I don't want to paint young people too broad of a brush. No, but, but like, that I, hostility, I think, where is things coming? Where are things going from here? That's right. I think people are getting more and more confident with that sort of hostility and treating each other that way. And yeah. that's, I think, the real question. It's like, not so much, you know, I think, will people get sick, but it's like, will it become more violent between neighbors and, you know, patrons at a mechanic, you know? And, and yeah. what if, let's just say that, like, I discovered that there are 25 to 30,000 other people uh, in the St. Louis County area who are sim- who are experiencing a similar issue that I am, that our household is, um, and I decide to organize around it and try right. to figure out ways that we can say, look, just get a just convoy. Put- yeah, just put get a convoy, start a parade, <laughs> and just say like, when you're inside of a grocery store, can you just put a just put a even a cloth mask, bro? Just put that on. Just just while we're in the store together, so that but just the, make it so when you cough, it doesn't just go everywhere. Like I get that a cloth mask is not is not perfect. I understand it doesn't stop the virus, but it keeps it way closer to you and way yes. less likely to just yes. land on me. Yes, and I don't the produce. I, and I feel like if I were to bring that up right now in any public venue, um, well, first of all, I can't go to a public venue because it's not safe. <laughs> Because you can't even get people to agree to wear masks at a city council meeting anywhere anymore. Yeah. Um, so I think that's sort of, and I don't see my own life changing a whole lot. Like, so I think that's just, I, all I can do is that ask for people to, when you meet people that are vitriolic about anybody who's like, well, whatever, what did they do in the, during the flu season? Like, you know what? He wasn't going to die from the flu. Mm-hmm. Guess what? There are treatments for influenza right. for people who are in his condition. There are medical, there are proven medical influenza has been around for over a hundred years and lung transplants have been around for about 30. So they figured out over the course of the last three decades, what kind of medical treatments are available to someone with Elliot's condition who gets influenza. Right. right. right? And let me, let me know when there's a Theraflu equivalent for COVID. Right. And like, you know, again, like, Yes, it's a coronavirus. Yes, coronaviruses are very common, but none of them are as contagious as COVID. That's one thing people keep forgetting. Uh, COVID is way more uh, infectious than than influenza. It's as infectious right now as the measles are. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that it's not as deadly because we'd have a lot more dead people. Um, So I think that's what, I don't know, I feel like one of our, one of our, tasks on this show is just to kind of say to people just think about it like this like just say it like this like maybe try talking about it like this like maybe try phrasing it like this um i'm not saying that you should be go be a soldier for masking or anything but i am saying this isn't going to change anytime soon for millions of people Mm -hmm. and i want people i want there to be a balance i want people to be able to live their lives but also consider that if i bring home covid to a spouse with his level of immune uh, uh, immune suppression, um, I could make him very, very, very ill, and I'm not really yeah. willing to do that. So yeah. that's what's that's what I hope people start to think about a little bit more. Well, everybody can be more thoughtful. We we can all do that, and uh, you know, 
vaccines are making a difference. So hopefully we'll see those numbers go up, but it's it's hard to imagine with it's the current political that climate that, that that's going to happen. So, well, we usually try to end on a, a higher note, but that's where we're going to end. So thank you guys for joining me this week and uh, hope everybody has an awesome week. Thanks, you guys. Thanks. Take care. The Heartland Pod is a production of Midmap Media, LLC. Follow us on Twitter with at the Heartland Pod. With email, you can reach us, heartlandpod2020 at gmail.com. Online with heartlandpod.com. Subscribe and please sign up for our Patreon with patreon.com slash heartlandpod. Become a podhead or an official podgressive today and unlock all of our content. See you at the next show.